the Holy Spirit is moving through us and moving in us and filling us with his power, then he, we're able to then be just a conduit, a just an empty vessel for God to move in and through us. So wherever, we're, wherever we are, as we go, making disciples, Matthew 28, wherever we land in our office, in our school, and in our context at the gas station at Walmart, we're, we're, we're naturally becoming a holy funnel that everywhere we go, everywhere we walk, we are pointing the power of God through our lives into people's hearts and lives. Now, here's the problem. The reason why Peter starts with this idea of set Christ as a Lord of your heart is because there are things that keep, keep us from doing that. And you, you might ask yourself, if you think about the metaphor of the holy funnel, think about it like this. Uh, what might be in my life that's causing a clog in my heart? Keeping the Holy Spirit from moving through my life and into the people's lives around me. I call these hidden sins. So if you're taking notes, you might just jot down right now. Uh, do I have any hidden sins in my heart, in my life? Some examples of those, is, is there anything in your life that keeps you from moving forward that is hidden? Maybe an addiction? Maybe even a relationship? Social media account? That, that's one that's uh, near and dear to our students. How many of you guys have secret social media accounts where only a certain group of friends that really know you can see, but your parents can't? How many of you have hidden sins on your history of your web browser that you make sure that after you view these things, you clear that history? And those are the very things that hinder. And if you're like, what are you talking about? Then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but those are the things that we keep, keep hidden that cause a clog in our heart that keeps us from being used by God. And those are the very things that hinder us from being used by God. And if there is something secret in your life that you're keeping hidden from a spouse, from your boss, uh, that you're skimming off the top or that you don't want your wife to know, as long as it's not like an anniversary surprise, that's different, okay? Uh, well, it depends on how much you spend because I, I learned my lesson there. Hey, I got this great plan. We're going to go do this. You need to talk to me first because now we're in the red. Oh, sorry. We're going to have a great time. So don't do that. But if there are things in your heart and your life that you're keeping hidden from a spouse or your parents or a coworker or, or a mentor, you can be sure that you have not set Christ as the Lord of your heart because he is not going to share his glory in your life. Many times we can do this in the local church as well. Sometimes the things of ministry, and this is a struggle for me personally, is setting the things of ministry, the work of the ministry, as, as the goal of my life. And so I work to build this ministry kingdom and a name for myself that Chris Gully in the name of in Oklahoma or serving the ministry of Super Summer, I, be, I can begin to build this this name for myself. And we see in the book of Genesis how that went for the people of Babel. Uh, what happened is God tore it down. And so if there's areas of your life, even success and career or other things that, that get in the way of Jesus really being the Lord of your heart, 
then there's some things you need to reconcile this morning. Some things you need to uh, get right with the Lord this morning. And that takes us into that second point. And before that, let me read this. When Jesus is put on the throne of your heart, it becomes obvious to others. And that was a goal that Peter was trying to outline. If you look at the life of Peter, uh, when he was physically with Jesus, I mean, he had the king of the universe with him physically. Uh, but there was a lot of things he hadn't reconciled. There was a lot of things that he was working through and struggling through. Uh, he wanted to be first place next to God in the kingdom of God. And the idea of the kingdom of God was not even what God had planned. He thought that it was an earthly rule, that they were going to take over the Roman Empire. Man, we're going to be the bosses now. We're not going to have the Roman Empire be a tyranny over us. And so they were thinking government. They were thinking culture. And God was thinking kingdom. And Peter didn't even get it until he was born again and he had the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And he then set Christ as the Lord of his soul. That he was even able to pen these truths. But it was very obvious to the people around that this person, Peter, has someone that had been with Jesus because it says in Acts, man, it's obvious that that guy has been with Jesus. He is a follower of Christ. Can the same be said of you? And so as you begin to look to prepare your story and to begin to look to, to practically prepare those truths that, that we practiced this morning, the first question is, is Jesus really the Lord of my heart? Or are there some hidden sins, maybe? And, and our, our next point is this. We're going to look at that middle part of the, vo the, the verse. And if you'll go back to 1 Peter 3.15, and let's navigate the middle of that verse. It says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Ask you for the reason for the hope that is in you. That would mean, first of all, that people see that there's something different about you. And they're coming to you and asking you, what is it with you? What's different about you? And then you're prepared because it's obvious to others that you belong to a different kingdom. You are under the authority of a different rule and a different reign. And so the second point is this. Christ in me means my hope. My hope is in Christ alone. You think, think of it like this. Is my hope really in Christ alone? Is he really the central focus of my life? Or is it Jesus plus something else? And that, that's what I struggle with in my walk. Is it Jesus plus this recognition as a, as a uh, youth pastor or leader in our, our state? Uh, is it Jesus plus my marriage? Is it Jesus plus my validation from my children? Is it Jesus plus my career for you? That, that might be something that you identify with. Is it Jesus plus the American dream? And uh, I like to say it like this, and uh, uh, that uh, what, what Jesus is trying to say is, is there any hidden agenda is it, in, is it in Christ alone? Because for me, I pledge my allegiance to Jesus and Jesus alone. There is no other entity, no other organization that I will pledge my allegiance to except Jesus and Jesus alone because he will not share in his glory. Go back to the people of Babylon. What do they do? 
They wanted to build a name for themselves. They want to become a people of themselves. They even did it in the name of God. God, we're going to build this idol for you. And they built this grandeur. And we're, going to, we're, we're in our power. We're going to get to God. We're going to be somebody. And what did God do? No. I'm going to bring confusion amongst you. I'm not going to allow you to do this because your heart is wrong. You have this outward expression of worship but your inward heart is married to yourself and making a name for yourself i'm going to be honest it sounds very familiar with a lot of narratives that we're seeing in our country today a lot of ideas that are permeating through the local church that if we will build a name for our church build a name for our nation build a name for ourselves, and then, and then we can we can become successful and the enemy as he is a great deceiver is very good at coming in and weaving uh, a, a, a thread of lies and then we are just like the people of Babel trying to make a name for ourselves if my people who are called by not my name will humble themselves and pray and allow me to be their one and only hope, I will rescue them and I will renew my people. That was a promise to the Israelites. And for us today, I wonder how many of us personally struggle with this like I do, that my career, it's, it's Jesus and, and, and I'm going to weave him into my career so that I can be successful is it jesus so that i that i can be positioned in my school to have good grades and get a good college degree and then maybe uh, that he can help me get that athletic scholarship and then we've just used jesus as a tool for our pleasure and so my prayer is that the lord exposes that in our hearts individually and as a people is my hope in christ alone because when it is, it'll be obvious to others. It'll be obvious to others. Here's some symptoms. Here's some symptoms of those who really are like the people of Babel or it's Jesus plus somebody else. It, it, it's, do you struggle with an uninspired heart? You're like, eh, you know, I'm not really that inspired. I'm not really motivated to do much of, except maybe this hobby. Trust me, I was really, really inspired about 10 days ago when I was on my mountain bike and I was hitting the, the mountain I was coming down. Some of you saw it on Facebook and I smacked myself on the bridge and I was inspired to quit right then. But I, I, I have to put my life before the Lord and say, Lord, am I more passionate about hit, hitting the mountain bike trails than sharing Jesus with people? Do I feel like it's an obligation or that I have to do that? Uh, because it's a part of my job or, or is it because I'm passionately desiring to do that? Am I uninspired? That's that, there, there's some things to consider. Think about these things. Write some of these down. Other symptoms of a distracted heart or one who has Jesus plus something else is apathetic, indifferent, lacking clarity or passion. These are all character qualities of someone who is struggling with really giving all to God. And so this morning, my prayer is that uh, you'll understand that our hope is in Christ alone. When we trust Jesus for our salvation, for him alone, 
And that's why you hear it woven into the fabric of my testimony that I put my faith and my trust in Jesus alone to save me, to rescue me. Because not by works, it's not by my ability, it is by the grace of God that I'm saved. So hope in Christ alone, which is the evidence of a transformed heart. So this weekend I was sharing with our students about this idea of being transformed and we're teaching from through Philippians chapter 2 and I talked about this idea of epic reverence but also about how we're to shine bright. And, but many of us, we fall into the category of what I would call a chameleon Christian. Uh, chameleons uh, have the ability to basically blend into whatever environment it falls into and it's a part of their DNA. It's just who they are. It's their genetics. It's, it's genetics for this chameleon. It's this lizard-like creature. If you don't know what it is, you can Google it up right now. You have to go ahead and do it. And then I get a little video and push play and watch how it transforms. It's pretty amazing. But if it's in front of a green plant, it's green. It steps in front of a brown plant, it transforms its look to be brown. That's its nature. That's what it is. Some of us are like chameleon Christians and all we do is we, we behave a certain way in one context at church uh, and we morph and we transform into a completely different person when we, we are with our friends. Some of you students, I talked about this. When you're with your parents or with your leaders or with your coaches and you, man, you know how to speak and talk correctly and speak Christianese, but then when you're with your real friends in, the, you know, in, your, in your sleepover over, your, your language changes, your countenance changes, the things you talk about changes. You would never ever consider speaking about the name of Jesus uh, that you do all the time in this church context. But when you get into this environment, this is the very place that God has called us to shine bright in like Philippians chapter 2 talks about. And so we find ourselves here in that very moment that when we are transformed by the gospel, when, when we understand that our hope is in Christ alone and we set Jesus as the Lord of our soul, this is what happens. He transforms us from the inside out. We're a completely different person and we can't help but shine bright. And so when we step into the context of darkness and we're shining bright, guess what gets illuminated? Sin. And it's not you and you're, you're like, you're preaching and you're like beating the word of God down their throat. It's just your countenance. It is who you are because as, as a holy funnel, Jesus is working through you and into the lives of your co-workers, into the lives of your classmates, into the lives of your parents. For some of you who are here that I know have their parents lost and far from God. And you have the ability to live that supernatural life out, rejecting the chameleon Christianity, which isn't Christianity at all. It's just a facade but it's where Jesus transforms your spiritual DNA, makes you a completely different person. You're born again, made new, and you're then able to shine bright through the supernatural power of Jesus through you, not by your perfected works. And so we come to our last point. Christ in me, that last part of that verse says, live a life of gentleness and respect. For some of the versions, ESV has it in verse 15. You may have it in the beginning of verse 16. But it's together. The idea is, the idea is when you set Christ as the Lord of your heart, when you are able to communicate the hope of your salvation. Now let, let me be clear and make this point uh, because it's in my notes and I want to make sure you guys hear me. Uh, does this mean like that we have to be a eloquent 
apologist, one who can give all the answers? No, but it does mean this, and I'm going to read this. It does mean that every believer should grasp the basics or the essentials of our faith and should have the ability to explain to others why they have put their faith and their hope in Jesus. And so there is an aspect of preparation that we're doing. But for this context and this sermon and what we're doing here is we're, we're working to set our hearts first. And know that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us and through us. And finally, we, were, we are able to do that in gentleness and respect because we're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer out of duty or obligation that we gather as a people. It's no longer out of duty and obligation that we stand in reverence to read his word or, or worship the name of God or, or step out of this context and into your world. It's no longer out of duty because Pastor Rob is doing a sermon series on my story that you find an opportunity to share your story. It's out of a desire because Jesus has changed your want to. Your want to now wants to. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of man. And so we find ourselves here, and, and where, where do we look for the best example for that? Well, it's the life of Jesus. He's, I mean, talk about a guy or God who literally exemplified answering those who question him or are coming to him with gentleness and respect. How did he do that? He, I mean, if you look at the woman at the well, who's a Samaritan woman, and Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and most of the Jews would go around the town of Samaria because they were not worthy. Long story short, they did not like the Samaritans. And so Jesus said, no, we're going to go through Samaria. And when they went through Samaria on purpose, there was a God-ordained moment at the well with this woman, this Samaritan woman that Jesus interacts with. And his response is filled with gentleness and respect. But he, she is so intrigued because she could tell something is different about this man. And the end result is she goes and tells everybody about this Messiah, this God, this one who's, who, in the whole town, hears the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The woman who was caught in adultery, uh, she's in her shame. She's embarrassed. She's overwhelmed with this guilt. And she's, just, she's about to be murdered by throwing stones at her. Jesus comes into the scene just, just as he goes. He finds himself in the middle of the scene. The Pharisees try to trip him up, but Jesus starts bending down, and he starts riding in the sand, and he begins to speak even to the Pharisees in this moment with gentleness and respect. And, and they're filled with guilt, and they drop their stones, and they bolt. But all that's left is this woman in her sin. And some of you may identify with that at this very moment. You come in here, and you feel guilty and overwhelmed with this sin and this guilt, but Jesus, with his gentleness and patience, looks at you and says, I don't throw any stones at you, but go and be transformed. Go and sin no more. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus at night, and he looks at Jesus and he says, okay, how do I do this? Okay, I'm, I'm sneaking out. There's something special about you. If I get caught talking to you, I'm going to be in big trouble. So what is the deal? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again, and he's confused by this concept. But he answers him with gentleness and respect. Uh, Zac Zac Zacchaeus, the wee little man that we love to sing during uh, children's church, uh, 
He climbs up that sycamore tree, but Jesus encounters him in a most passionate way. He's like, I'm going to be with you, you outcast. He didn't say that, but in the culture, he was an outcast. He was rejected. Nobody wanted to be around this, this filthy man. But Jesus said, I'm going to be with you. In fact, I'm going to join you for a meal tonight. So we look at the life of Jesus and we can operate that same way. As we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to respond in gentleness and patience with people. And they're going to see Jesus in you. And as you prepare to share your, the hope of Jesus, we are going to see salvation. You are going to experience what it is to be a light in a dark world. But this morning, as we prepare for a response, we have a couple things that we're going to do this morning. I'm going to ask my worship, our worship team to come up and prepare. And this is going to be an interactive response time in just a moment. And I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to give you some instructions. But I believe that there's people here, whether you remember a time in your life where you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and maybe there's something that you identify with, you have an opportunity to respond. But I believe there are people here that can identify with the stories that I just told. That you feel hopeless and broken and far from God, like I did. And like these people that Jesus met that were caught in adultery, or the woman at the well that felt unworthy to be spoken to, or the outcast, in, or the Pharisee. And you're coming this morning and looking for hope. Or you're coming this morning looking for an answer, and today you found it, and it is Jesus. And in a moment, when we stand and our, our counselors are up front, I want to encourage you to come over here and, and today, make today the day that you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone. Others of you, I want, and, and, and all of us included, on the front of the stage, there's, there's a card here. And on it, it says, pray and watch. And, and what I want to challenge you to do is as a response from this word and from the scriptures we just received here, we want to trust Jesus that he's going to use us, not in our abilities or our power, but positioning us in the giftedness that the Lord has given us, in the talents that he's given us to speak truth and love. But we've got to trust Jesus. And the way we're going to do that is on the card it says, pray and watch. And there's three little blanks. And you can fill out more if you have more people to pray for. But I want to challenge you this morning as we uh, are about to stand to, to come forward and grab one of these cards and begin to pray for at least three people in your life that are far from God. You may have more, write them down. And then I want us to commit as a people, as a body of Christ, to say we're going to pray for lost people faithfully every day. And it's going to start with three people for three minutes a day because this is what's going to happen when you dedicate your heart and your prayer time to lost people he's going to give you gospel opportunities he's going to give you an opportunity to see and watch and so the second part of that says watch it says pray and watch and so the next part of that is to put into action the very words that we just heard to step into our context knowing that we're called to be holy funnels as we're praying for lost people praying for our own heart watch what God does you don't have to manufacture things because you're going to have gospel conversations all the time when you're prayerful and you're watching for that
And so the challenge I want to give us in this journey together is for us to pray and, and watch for gospel opportunities.